0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with celebrated New York City jazz trombonist and vocalist Ron Wilkins. We caught up with him to talk music and his latest 2021 CD, Trombocalist. He was in a coma with COVID last April and had to relearn how to live, and now he is very grateful, more than ever, And for more than 40 years, he has been performing on tenor and bass trombones, euphonium, tuba, bass trumpet, and vocals at the highest levels, touring around the world with his own groups and as a premier artist. He is currently a member of the Birdland Big Band, Dizzy Gillespie's all-star big band, and has shared the stage with the likes of Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, Rosemary Clooney, Lena Horne, Bob Hope, Dizzy Gillespie, and so many others. His story is incredible, and you should hear it enjoy how's it going man
1: hey good good i appreciate you taking a minute after the show
0: no problem no
2: problem i'm excited to talk with you about some vocalists
1: me as well man so i guess we should first and foremost address the elephant in the room which is the pandemic and i want to know not necessarily when this was recorded but the fact that it's coming out now how does it feel to have a way of like giving the fans something with with this long
2: absence of live music Oh, my gosh, it feels amazing. It feels amazing. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you know my full story on this, but uh, last April, I was, I was stricken with COVID. I was in a medical coma for 32 days and wow. uh, also on a, on a ventilator and a tracheotomy tube in my throat for 37 days. Wow. When I came out of the coma, I, had to, I lost like about 40 pounds of my body weight, and I had to learn how to walk, talk, and... Pretty much, just you know, get back on track again. And it was it was a, whew, wow, it was a harrowing experience. It was a harrowing experience. After about thirty and nine days in the in the uh, ICU and then the hospital where I was, I was transferred over to uh, a couple of, of hospitals slash rehab facilities where I spent another forty days getting my walking, going to walk again, talk again. Grab things, brush my teeth. I mean, all the basic things that, when you know, when you're a kid, you learn how to do. And eventually, as an adult, you take for granted. Wow. It was quite a, it was quite a trip. Uh, the good news is that uh, I, my lungs bounced back really fast because I've spent years, decades, literally working on breathing and breathing exercises and stuff that helped me to get stronger. Wow. My lungs came back pretty quick. I didn't really deal with so much in terms of after effects from COVID, thankfully. So far, I'm so good. So far, so good. And this project actually started back in, like, late 2018, early 2019 up in New York City working with uh, my producer, John Lee, who's the director of the Dizzy Gillespie All-Star Big Band, which I play with, along with the other Gigi Gillespie smaller ensembles, the Afro-Latin ensemble, the Afro-Cuban, and the Bebop ensembles. So I was working with him, along with uh, my dear friend and uh, partner, Becca Patterson, uh, on some of the charts for the album. Uh, We recorded most of it in 2019, then we did some some fixing up, and then by 2020, I was hoping to release it, and of course, then I got sick as a dog, so once I recovered, we got back to the mixing and mastering of it. Now to have this thing out and released is just so exciting, so exciting. It's kind of gratifying, actually, after having been through so much to be able to actually get my music now out for people to hear it. And in part to tell the story about how you know if you can if you have faith and you have resilience and determination you can overcome just about anything.
1: Wow, that's amazing. You know, how did that change your perspective on life? Like now that you've you know you've recovered and you're back, what what mm-hmm. has that done with the way that you approach your daily life and even the bandstand?
2: Well, I just have a greater appreciation for life. Each breath is a gift. Each each moment I get to be able to sing or play on my trombones or my tuba or my euphonium, or to be on a piano and working on chord changes for a song or uh, composing, things that I thought at one point that I didn't take for granted and then came to realize when I recovered, I was taking some things for granted. We get so caught up into being able to be musicians and to, to make the music and to, to perform the music for crowds and for audiences and such, Sometimes we take for granted these things that, you know, this is what we do and this is what we're about. We try to make the hustle happen, you know. Uh, now it's like I am just so filled with gratitude for every day I am still here. It's helped me to take my music to another level.
1: What, what are you hoping the listener, or those that download or buy this album, get from this
2: experience? Uh, the biggest thing I'm hoping for them is that they can go ahead and check it out and enjoy. What I'm bringing, as far as a jazz artist, because jazz has so many subgenres. Now. I I was one of these kids who, when I was growing up, was raised with my father's record collection to listen to Count Basie and Duke Ellington, and of course, uh, Gene Ammons and Eddie Lockjaw Davis. You know, the, the 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 cats who were like the swingers, you know, the real swinging stuff. I want people to hear that. I mean, there's there's certain elements in there. I mean, like for instance, with uh, starting off with Lil Pipsqueak. It's pretty much up-tempo, straight ahead. Uh, it's about one of the cats that I used to have, which is a little squeaky thing, which we call little pit squeak. And then uh, after that, it's um, My Foolish Heart, which is, you know, demonstrating the just passion, love, a second chance. This time it's love, this time it's love, my foolish heart. Or the, you know, going on from there into, uh, Love for Sale, for instance, which is like uh, what, ha- what happens if Cole Porter walked into a bar and heard James Brown with the Brecker Brothers horn section. Or like Waltz for Debbie, which is a touching, poignant little moment for a parent uh, thinking about their kid. the hmm. the little girl who's got regular like, little toys and stuff, but she grows up and those toys might still be there, but there's that, that impression. That like that. Uh, blues for Becca Bass Bone, which is just a nice little cool little blues that features not only the bass from bone, but the tuba. So it's what we call the low blow of blues. You dig? So we're, yeah. we're, we're, down, we're down in the basement on that one. That one's actually gotten some very favorable airplay. And then, of course, Beautiful. the other songs on there as well, like Give Me That Wine, which is uh, I was, when I was growing up and doing jazz jam sessions in San Antonio, Texas, where I was originally from, I worked with this wonderful band there that was into the great singers, like uh, Lambert Hendrickson Ross, Jackie Kane and Roy Crawl, Singers Unlimited. I, I got into that. That stuff really took with me. So, you know, Lambert-Henderson-Ross still to this day, along with other groups like Rare Silk, Manhattan Transfer, they are among my favorites, and of course, like Take Six. You know, I, I've had this really broad education in jazz from as I was a kid to when I was growing up and did my undergraduate study at the uh, University of North Texas to then getting spending 10 years uh, in the United States Air Force Band where I honed my craft. I worked as a performing artist as well as a, an arranger, a composer, as well as a singer. And then from there to be a teacher in Texas, finishing my undergrad and graduate degrees. And then from 2012, you know, living and working in New York, playing tons of, uh, played a ton of Broadway shows. I've done a lot of work with orchestras as well as playing with different big bands. I'm still currently a member of the DJ Gillespie All-Star Big Band, along with the Birdland Big Band, based out of Birdland Jazz Club. And uh, we've got a hit today, as a matter of fact, It's uh, 5 o'clock Eastern.
1: What was the first live show you saw that really blew you away?
2: Oh, my gosh. Wow. When I was a little kid, I went over with my cousins in San Antonio. We went to the Joe and Harry Freeman Coliseum. I caught James Brown and the Famous Flames. Back in uh, 19, I would say I had to be at least maybe 11 years old or so. So it was about 1967, 68. That, that was a revelation. It was like, ha, one time, God, Bob, who oh, hit me? And I was just blown away. Not to mention the photography, the, the band, the singers, everything was so tight. It was so together. It was just amazing. You know, from there then, as I was growing up, uh, catching certain jazz concerts. I remember as a teenager... Going down to the San Antonio Riverwalk and listening to Jim Cullum and his Happy Jazz Band, traditional Dixieland jazz. Uh, Later on in undergraduate school, uh, going to concerts to hear great artists like Jean-Luc Ponty, the great French jazz violinist. Uh, Weather Report caught them live. The Pablo Jazz All-Stars came through one time, and it was Oscar Peterson with his trio with Joe Pass and Ray Brown, and special guest Ella Fitzgerald. Wow. I mean, stuff like that that just blew me away. Getting to see the Mahavishu Orchestra with John McLaughlin. And, of course, Maynard Ferguson, because, you know, it's me. It's
0: me.
1: Yeah, it's for sure. Yeah. Well, and and you, as you got into the profession, have been around a lot of big names, from Ray Charles, Rosemary Clooney, Randy Brecker. The list goes on and on and on. And I want to know, what did you learn from the legends and luminaries that in turn help you teach younger players that you've gotten around in your life?
2: The the biggest lesson I got from any one of them and all of them is to pay it forward. To pay it forward. Because this is how the music continues. This is how it grows. This is how it perpetuates. This is how we, as artists, as well as educators, teachers and mentors, not only stay and remain viable, but then give the next generation something that they can take and let's see what they do. So it's, it's about paying it forward, man. It really is. Yeah. I mean, Everything that I listened to, honestly, from when I was a kid and now have taken to heart and mind and soul and actually interpret it. And then, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm currently one of two trombone instructors at Texas State University in uh, San Marcos, Texas. Uh, I'm teaching the jazz as well as uh, classical trombone students, as well as um, Latin music as salsa students. It's great to have had all the experience that I've had in playing all those styles and studying them. But then to be able to go ahead and put together as part of the curriculum and convey how these styles work and to show the students how they themselves can play it and interpret it and grow from it, it's so rewarding. It really is, especially when you see them get it. The lights click, the eyes, the people dilate, you know, and all of a sudden they're into it. It's the, it's the greatest thing. Wonderful. So you said you've been on Broadway. You, you, there's, there's a lot
1: of incarnations of how you exist. As a musician, how does all of that come together for you? What, that I mean, did, do you feel like it's a holistic circle of things, or there any, is there any other any other thing that you want to do that you haven't done?
2: For one, all of the experiences that I've had, whether it's being working in a uh, from undergraduate study to graduate study to doing uh, touring Broadway shows from in Texas and then playing actually on Broadway in New York, all those things are part of the holistic experience for me. They're all a part of the. Of what makes me the 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 artist, the composer, the musician, the, the, the vocalist, the singer that I am. There's still some things I want to do. Yeah, I mean, part of the part of the gig with this album and uh, the next albums coming out of this are going to be working more with my voice, doing more singing. i am, I still have uh, ideas, some things for a, a big band album down the road, uh, along with also uh, writing and composing orchestral works. You know, and to be able to showcase more to be able to take my, either my jazz trio quartet or quintet out and tour globally, especially when things lessen from the effects of what's happening with COVID right now. You know, I mean, there's, there's, the thing is, honestly, it's like, man, it doesn't stop. Joe, it does not stop. It just keeps going. And yeah. uh, I want to keep going as long as I can with it because, man, I am, I am so focused on, on making the most of my time uh, more than ever now.
1: So every day you wake up, you get a music. You're you're a musician. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the greatest part about being a professional musician
2: for you? Living the dream, baby. Living the dream. I've I've dreamt this ever since I was a kid. Ever since I was a kid. I I you know to be able to play with uh, with my heroes. You know, back in 1981, I was one of about 16 top college students who who won a spot in Clark Terry's College, also a big band. We toured for about four and a half months, played uh, shows in New York, in the Midwest, went over to Europe, played some shows there. That was like one of the greatest learning experiences as well as one of the greatest performance experiences I ever had. Uh, Being able to do performances, playing with the uh, Aretha Aretha Franklin, uh, playing with Ray Charles, playing with, oh my gosh, The Four Tops, Temptations, playing Wicked on Broadway, playing Wicked Off-Broadway, playing Lion King on Broadway, playing Lion King Off-Broadway. All these things are like bucket list items. And yet the other side of it is is that I want to continue doing more of this stuff because, you know, there's more collaborations to be had, there's more music to be made, there's more fantastic musicians to work with, and there's more music that I have yet still to give to the world.
1: So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, your students, but ultimately you live your life. You have a perception of yourself. Who do you think you
2: are? I think I am still a work in progress. I think I'm still trying to be the best Ronald Wilkins that I can be. Uh, I think that I am an active working professional. I'm a hustler. I'm a composer. I'm a singer. I am an instrumentalist. I have worked very hard to develop Levels of virtuosity in my in my playing as well as in my singing and yet. I'm still very much astute I am still learning. I'm still growing. There's still a lot of stuff. I don't know There's still a lot of stuff. I want to learn I remember one time i had done this gig years ago when I was in the Air Force band Gizzy Gillespie came down as our guest artist and, and performed uh, at the uh, back then the uh, National Association of Jazz Educators they had a convention in Dallas and I got to hang out with dudes for a while. So I'm hanging out literally with like one of the founding fathers of Bebop. And I was asking him about, man, you know, you've got all this incredible legacy and such. Is there any information you can give to cats like me who are still, you know, trying to go ahead and make their way to the music? Collection? He says, just remember, it's like, he said, for one, you can live to be as old as Methuselah and still not know everything you need to know about music, much less jazz. So never stop learning. That's number one. And number two, the faster the tempo, the slower I count. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so if you're playing a tune like bebop, you're going, you know, stuff like that. He's sitting there going one, 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 not thinking, what is this one, what is this one, what is this for? So it's like, you know, just learning to be able to do get perspective on on, uh, on life on the music and to stay open and to just keep growing you know to me that's like that's that's really what it's about that's, that's one of my biggest goals in life now is to be able to continue to grow learn and then to perform to uh, study and to teach and to just become more of the person that I'm eventually going to be
1: beautiful. Final question, you know, you've obviously looked very deep into your mortality during COVID-19 and everything oh, yeah. that's happened to us, but I want to know, when we do actually really return in earnest to live music, when it starts picking up, and, and everybody really starts getting back out there, what do you hope both the musician and the audience realizes about the power of live music when we get back to it?
2: It is that exactly. It is powerful. It is emotional. It is, it is an essential a, a part of our lives as breathing. To be able to share experience through music. It's, it's literally love. It's literally love. It's sharing love. It's sharing thoughts, ideas, communication. Uh, the audience hears something that you do. They get affected by it, whether they're moved emotionally or even physically, whether they want to get up and dance. Or to be able for them to sit back at one point and take in a recording and it, it evoke certain memories evoke certain ideas certain feelings it really does come down to uh overall just the shared experience that music brings to everyone uh no matter uh what country what language no matter what dialect i mean whatever differences we may have we can always find something shared in music and it's my hope that when things do open back up again fully that we can not only have more of the concerts and such, but more of the communication between artists and audience, to be able to have this shared experience where we're all finding that common ground, that common ground for us through music, is that we are all literally the same. We're all beings of this earth. We all have different maybe ideas and philosophies and mindsets and such, but we're all here. We're all earthly something about music that connects us with each other. It's its so vital. It's so important. It's just really about sharing love. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things that I hope more people get, not only the, the the listeners and the audiences, but more so the artists. Because, you know, once again, like I said, we get to a point where after a while, even in my case, it's like going out and doing a concert, playing a gig, doing this show, doing that, and this. Sometimes you just take it for granted. Well, now, after whatever I've I've been through and seeing how this whole world has been shaken up by COVID, I can't, you can't take it for granted. You just can't. It's so important. I mean, this past week alone, I'm up in New York City, and I'm playing with the Count Basie Orchestra. and all of a sudden, I'm up here in the middle of it and playing a tune like April in Paris with the guys, and I'm playing the solo on it, and I just feel this emotion come over me. Just this, like literally, almost like tears coming out of my eyes because it's just to be back into that moment, that that moment where you're up there and you're actually saying something or playing something that may seem familiar to everyone else. But my gosh, it's so good! Everyone out there is there to hear it. Everyone out there is there to experience it. Not just the listeners, but the performers. We experience the emotion that comes from the audience and give it back in turn. We give a lot music and the emotion and the power that comes from our music and to the audience and they give back in turn. This love, this appreciation. I just hope everyone comes to realize just, once again, just how vital and important it is. When I was recovering from COVID, I, my partner and I are currently living in Austin, Texas. And things are slowly coming back down there. And moving up and and you know more and more audiences are starting to come out and about we just need to be really careful right now still because we still have covid around in different variants because the virus will mutate and do that but to have the opportunity so far of being able to actually come out and play for people and to share the love share the music and you know, get it back in turn brother it's the greatest thing honestly joe it's the greatest thing
1: yeah i get it i do i do ron thank you yeah, for man. opening up man i'm glad that uh You've, uh, you've recovered so well. Thank you for the music, and good luck as we move forward.
2: Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come in and talk with you, and I'm hoping that uh, your listeners appreciate Trump vocalists and check it out. Of course, you, know, you can go ahead and download it off of Spotify. You can go through uh, Apple Music. I, you can also go ahead and uh, download it on iTunes. Uh, hard copies are available. You can go through my website at rodwilkins.net. And also, check out my dear friend, uh, Rebecca Patterson. Because uh, not only did she write the few tunes on their blues, Rebecca-based bonus, Spring and Bennett Park, but she's quite the accomplished artist and bonus and composer herself. You can find her at RebeccaPattersonMusic.com. Yeah, man. So, thanks. I appreciate it. And uh,
0: let's keep swinging. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world and fans all that jazz and thanks to Ron for his time music and story. If you want to hear more interviews go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com Until next time enjoy the jazz my friends
1: Neon Jazz